house in here. I like this. I like being in the gym. I know I'm in the minority on that, but I like it at least for the time being until we get back into the sanctuary. It's an exciting time. Uh, looking forward to how that's going to look. So I want to just, before we dig in, um, whoops, sorry, I moved, I moved it. That was me. <laughs> before we dig into scripture, I just want to invite you um, to open up your St. John app. Uh, we do have sermon notes there available down for you. So um, you can make notes in there. You can follow along with scripture. You can write down questions that you have for me or for Tom as we go through. We love, we love answering those. Um, but I just want to review where we are in Nehemiah at this point. So we're in this series talking about leadership, and we're looking at Nehemiah. And what's happened is these, uh, this Jewish remnant had been exiled to Babylon by the Babylonians. And then the Babylonians had been conquered by the Persians. And the Persian king had decided to allow the Jewish remnant to go back to their city of Jerusalem. Unfortunately, this Jewish remnant that was, had survived, these people, were a hot mess. They needed some serious help. They were in trouble. And what had happened was not only were they in trouble, not only were their hearts troubled and they weren't capable of really leading themselves, um, they also had this wall that had been broken. It, was, it had crumbled and the gate had been burned down. Now, this isn't only a big deal because of the protection, but having that wall was a way that they showed honor to God. And so when Nehemiah heard this news about his people and about his beloved city, he was heartbroken. We remember in week one, he wept and he prayed and he fasted because his heart was so broken about what was happening. So where we are entering today is when Nehemiah approaches the king, the Persian king, about this situation that was happening in Jerusalem. So let's dive right in and read the word from chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was served him, I carried the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in his presence before. So the king said to me, why is your face sad since you are not sick? This can only be sadness of the heart. And this, then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my ancestors' graves, lies waste and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, what do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. Then I said to the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor with you, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my ancestors' grave, so that I may rebuild it. The king said to me, the queen also was sitting with him, how long will you be gone and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me and I set him a date. Then I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given me to the governors of the province beyond the river that they may grant me passage until I arrive in Judah and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, directing him to give me timber to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall occupy. And the king granted me what I asked, for the gracious hand of God was upon me. So today we're talking about the willingness to ask and how leaders have to be willing to ask. And if we could sum this sermon up in one word, it would be the word bold. Now way back in January in the first sermon of the year, I'm sure you remember every word, I shared with you that my word for 2022 was going to be bold. Now, when Tom and I were sitting down going through our schedule when we would preach and teach and all the good things, we just kind of picked this date because it worked for me. And then I sit down, we were talking about it one day, and I went, oh, 
good. This is about being bold. God doesn't have a plan here. Not at all. <laughs> I have definitely lived into that word uh, this year. Uh, God has definitely challenged me and grown me, and he did again as I was working on this teaching. And plus, friends, it's been three months since I've been up here to teach, so fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a good one. I hope that it inspires you and that God really uh, challenges you with this word and how to be bold in our leadership um, and how we live for Christ. So let's dig in. So I want to begin looking back at verse 1. So Nehemiah tells us quickly that he had never been sad in the king's presence before. Now when he actually approaches the king here is four months after he has heard the news about his beloved city. So for four months he repressed his emotions, he put on a happy face, as a lot of us have to do, right? You to do, smile, put on a happy face, that fake it till you make it kind of thing. He had gone before the king and he continued to do his job without showing the king that he had been sad. So why today? Why in this moment? Why is this the time that he goes before the king and allows his sadness to shine through? Well, I'm sure there's lots of reasons, but one of the reasons is because in the Persian calendar, there were festivals that they had. And at this point, there was a festival going on where the king would show special generosity. And so the, as Nehemiah prayed, I'm sure that God was formulating, hey, if there's a time that we're going to get the king on board, now is going to be the time. And we've heard that saying, timing is everything. And usually when we think about boldness, when we think about being bold, we think about doing it quickly. It's got to happen swiftly, efficiently, getting it done. But that's not what Nehemiah shows us. Sometimes, actually, most of the time, God wants us to steep like a hot, nice, delicious tea. He wants us to pause. Pause and spend time with him. You see, when we rush in boldness, it can seem aggressive. And sometimes it can seem careless. I bet each of us can think about times when we have gone after something that we really wanted and we really thought God would probably want for us without pausing to have a little talk with Jesus before we did it. Now, you know Chris and I have three kids. Summit Jean is our oldest, and she is a fiery but brave little gal. And when she sets her mind on something that she wants, she is very persistent. Her approach isn't always the best, though. So one night, and this happens a lot, she will use our parenting skills against us. So she comes up, and she puts her hand on her hip. She's got lots of sass. She goes, Mommy... If you don't let me have candy, I won't go to bed. How do you think that ended for her? <laughs> Not well. But she knew what she wanted. She knew, and she went after it, and she was willing to ask. But so approach wasn't the best. She hadn't really thought through how she should approach getting candy so close to bedtime. And when we think about the things we want and how we just want to get after it, and we have that fire that drives us to just go do it, we think about, well, that's how you be bold. But sometimes being bold and stepping forward in that willingness of God's plan means we got to walk instead of running. And that's hard for a lot of us in the room who like to run. We like to get things done. I'm one of those people. So this is a tough one for me. When it comes to God's timing, we have to remember it's more than likely not going to line up with our timing, but it's perfect. God's timing is always perfect. But how do we know? How do we know that what we're doing 
is in God's time, is when he wants us to move forward, is when he wants us to do the things he wants us to do. How do we know that? Well, let's keep looking at the story. So in verse 2, the king responds to his sadness and says, hey, you know, this can only be sadness of the heart. But then we see that in reaction to that, Nehemiah is very afraid. Now, why would Nehemiah be very afraid of the king's response? So when we think back to Esther, and we think about Esther approaching the king, she had not been summoned. She was risking her life to do that. Anytime anyone approached the king, the king held their lives in his hands. Because one, bad, one wrong word, one wrong move, and he could just put his wrath and call for your death. So Nehemiah knew when the king responded with the sadness of the heart that it wasn't a good thing. And here's why it wasn't a good thing. This phrase, sadness of the heart, at that time was associated with evil. It could be that Nehemiah had malicious intent. How was the king to know that? So Nehemiah had a very delicate choice to make. And that choice was, does he make this political? Because it very much was a political situation. Does he approach it in a political way? Or does he make it personal? Now, making things personal, don't wear your... Showing our emotions... That's not a cultural thing. Don't wear your heart on your sleeve. It's a sign of weakness to, sh to talk about how you feel. We've all heard that saying, it's not personal, it's business. Thank you. Wow, you guys awake out there? <laughs> the Godfather, Mom, the dude. Okay, anyway. Anyway, it's not personal, it's just business. We've heard that right in the corporate world. We've heard that. And so, but being bold Sometimes stepping out of our comfort zone, which is exactly what being bold is, we have to step out of our comfort zone. It's risky. It's personal because there's a fear we, we could fail. We could be rejected. We could look stupid. We could be hurt. Anytime we wear our heart on our sleeves, there's a chance for being hurt in the midst of that when we offer ourselves fully. In Nehemiah's case, there was a chance of death. But Nehemiah moves forward anyway. And he moves forward because he knows what he's doing is what God has called and equipped him to do. So he respects the king. May the king live forever is how he, you know, starts his solution in the next verses. But he's honest with the king. He's open and he's vulnerable in where he's coming from with what's going on. This was personal, but he knew he had to get it just right with how he approached it with the king. So what happens next? The king asks Nehemiah, okay, so what do you want to do? What do you want to do about it? Ooh, this is good. Nehemiah knows at this point, okay, I have found some favor with the king. He's going to listen to me. He's open to what I'm ready to do. But what does Nehemiah do in response? He prays. He prays. Now, this was a quick prayer, we can assume. I mean, he's in a conversation with the king. You don't want to keep the king waiting. So it's a quick prayer, but this quick prayer works because Nehemiah is prayed up. For four months, he has been in union with God, mourning and grieving and fasting and listening for what God wants him to do. He is contemplated in God's presence for four months. But here he is. He's, he knows the king is in his favor, but he prays first because he knows he still has to have God to get this to work. Even in the midst of what's going on, in the midst of him being bold, he knows he still has to have God to get it done. And not only does he offer the solution to the king, but he offers himself 
as a part of that solution. And that's another thing about this bold thing. It's not only about offering our words. It's about having the willingness to act. Nehemiah could have absolutely presented this solution. It was very thought out. We read that in verses 7 and 8. Very detailed solution. And he could have offered it and said, Okay, king, you have the people. You got the resources. I'm here. You got everything. So you go forth and send your people to do that. But that's not what Nehemiah did. That's not what God had called Nehemiah to do. He had called Nehemiah to get in the trenches, to go himself and lead this people. He acted on his prayers. While I was on maternity leave, probably five or six weeks in, we had some friends invite us to their church. And we said, oh, yeah, sure, we'll go, because it was literally around the corner from our house. We thought this will be a good trial run to see if we can get out of the house and get there on time. We did not. <laughs> we did not make it on time. <laughs> but we tried. And so, and I like to visit churches as I can to get different ideas, see how they're doing things. And plus, I want to worship God. I wanted to do that. So we show up and we're singing this song and it says, you are powerful, God, above it all. I believe in you. I believe in you. You do miracles, the impossible. I believe in you. I believe in you. And we were singing this song. They sang this chorus over and over again. And in the midst of it, I just felt this really strong need to pray. And for the last eight months, I had been praying the same prayer that I had been praying to for God to heal Camden. Now, for those of you that don't know, we gave birth to an awesome little rock star of a son named Camden back in March, and he has a syndrome called heterotaxy. What that means is his organs have developed on opposite sides, and he has a couple of heart defects, one of which we're still waiting to see if he needs open-heart surgery to correct. In the midst of this, we have seen God move in huge and amazing ways. He has healed him one day after the other, but I cannot bear the thought of open-heart surgery. I can't even go there. And so I'm continuing to pray for God to heal him completely. And so in the midst of this song, I'm praying this prayer again for the millionth time, I'm sure. And God is clearly, as me talking to you right now, spoke to me and said, Ashley, I have healed him. I want you to praise me. I want you to to praise me. Well, I was a blubbering mess. I sat down, I grabbed his little finger, and I started singing, even though I didn't know the song. I started praising. Chris had no idea what was going on with me. And don't you know, the pastor got up and started talking about prayer, and that all too often we start praying, and we're talking about all the things we want and all the things we need God to do, and we forget to praise him. I'm like, Chris, God just told me that. <laughs> and he's like, what are, what are you doing? You know, I mean, we're still, like, it's still really loud in there. But I'm like, oh, my gosh. God is so good. I'm just, it's a mess. But I'm a fixer. I'm, I'm a problem solver. I want a good problem, and I want to fix it. But I can't fix him. I can't fix Camden. And we all, we've all been in situations where we can't fix anything. We, we're, it's out of our control. We can't fix it. But God still wants us to take action even in the midst of that prayer, if we don't know how he's going to answer it, we don't even know if he's going to answer it at that point or if we're going to wait for a long time. He still wants us he is to praise him because he is a God of the possible. 
He is healing, and he is in the midst of it with us. And I was praying that prayer not out of my trust, not out of my belief of what he could do, but out of my fear, out of my anxiety. And he's like, stop praying it. I have got this. I am in control. So even if it's an action that we don't feel like it's a real action, we can still praise God in the midst of what God is doing, even if it is one of the toughest situations we've ever faced, like is what this is for me. Nehemiah had prayed for four months, but he didn't stay on his knees. He didn't stay there. He offered himself as a leader, as a fearless leader, offering himself to God to be a part of God's answer, a part of the solution to his own prayer. Nehemiah probably had no idea when he first started praying that God was going to call him to actually lead it, to go to Jerusalem and to approach the king whom he was the cupbearer for about solving it. He had no, I'm sure he had no idea. And I'm sure as that was evolving, he was like, oh God, you've got the wrong guy. I mean, we feel like that, right? We're not capable. We're not able to do these things that God calls us to do, but has already equipped us to do. You see, boldness happens when we pray and we are open and we completely surrender ourselves to God. He will empower us to be bold simply by placing our trust in him. In one of the books we use for our discipleship class, Act, it says, when people work, people work. When people pray, God works. And I said, I'm a fixer, so I'm going to tweak this quote just a little bit. To what I believe is more accurate. When people work, people work. When people pray, God works through the people who pray. That's what Nehemiah's story show us. There's power in prayer. Prayer is powerful. But God empowers us through that prayer to go and be the answer. And if not, he calls us to action anyway by praising him. Because when we cannot control it, and there's a lot we can't control, and that's coming from a control freak. When we can't control it, we trust the one who is in control. We trust the one who can do the impossible. And that is our action. You see, boldness takes action. We have to act on it. We can't sit on our knees. We can't sit on our hands. We have to move, and we have to go, and we have to do we have to lift our hands and we have to praise. Action that is appointed by God, action that is patient, personal, a little scary, and smothered in prayer. Drenched in God's Holy Spirit. You see, if we are bold out of a place of fear or anger or self-righteousness or self-direction, Having not consulted with God first or sought his wisdom, then friends, that is not being bold. That will come off as arrogant and prideful. And it will probably do way more harm than good. Remember when I referenced, how do we know if we're doing the right thing? How do we know that this is God's timing and now I'm ready to step into that path? We won't know if we have not spent time with God. Frequently. We, we can't be like Nehemiah and approach a king and say a quick prayer. We've got to pray up before we get to that moment. 
We can't approach someone who is lost that we know is lost unless we have first sat with God and looked through our story and we see where God has been from beginning to end and we know that we can offer that person a God of love with no judgment because God has shown us that love with shame and judgment. We will struggle to proclaim his name and to praise him in any situation, in any health situation, economic situation, life situation that is hard and challenging. If we haven't spent time getting to know him, falling in love with this incredible God, spending time in his word, living it and believing it. See, God is already working on the solution before we even lift our prayers. Will we be a leader like Nehemiah? Offering ourselves as instruments of God to join him in the work that he is already doing? Or will we follow the world's way, ignoring our call to prayer and humility and complete trust in God, our creator? Let's choose to be leaders who are bold, who are bold God's way. Let's pray. God, we adore you today. We love you. We stand in awe of your greatness. We acknowledge that you are a God of the impossible, that you do things that will that blow our minds, that you intervene when we don't expect you to, that you've already thought out every single step when we don't see a way as we step forward in faith. We live in a world that is so dark, but you call us to be the light. You charge us with living through our words and our actions to point to you, to bring you the glory. And it's hard to be bold. It's hard, especially in a world where there's persecution and judgment, and it's just so hard. But God, you are there with us through it all, empowering us enabling us to take on your characteristics and live them out, placing our trust in you, knowing that that next step we take, you're there to meet us. God, help us. Help us to take those steps. Help us to know that even if we allow life to get too busy or too crazy and we aren't spending time with you, that the second we turn our heart towards you, that you are there. You desire deep relationship with us. And you love us so much, God. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that never leaves us. We thank you for this opportunity of relationship with you. And we pray, God, that you help us to be bold in this world that so desperately needs you. We lift these things to you in Jesus' holy name.